Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire. But beware, this podcast is haunted. Okay, we're going. We're fresh. We're new. We're feeling good. Fresh. Feeling centered. Feeling centered. Ready to go. It's a brand new episode. It's a brand new day and the sun is high. All the birds are singing that you're gonna die. Oh, okay. That was, I was like, oh, this feels happy. No, okay. No, it's from Dr. Horrible. Oh. Have you seen it? It's 45 minutes. Take some time. Okay. We're, especially since we're going to get a fucking ice storm tomorrow. Yeah, maybe we'll do that. Yeah. Weather's been fucking crazy. Weather, guys, it is, what, it blizzarded earlier briefly this week, and then it all went away, and it was sunny Mm -hmm. and bright, and now it is. Now it's like the fucking coast of Maine with the fog rolling in. Intense fog. I love fog. Until a deer bounces out on the street. I was scared of that, but... Yeah, you should be. It's good driving to a haunted-ass house weather. (laughs) And that's what I was feeling like. I was like, "Mm, I'm listening to my horror soundtracks. I'm going to record a spooky podcast. Something spooky happened to me. Oh, here's a story I can tell. I think my house might be casually haunted. What? (laughs) So... I have felt nothing. My house is old as fuck, as you know, for Michigan standards. Um, I have what? How old is your house again? Eighteen eighty-five. Um, yeah. So I have, you know, it's been relatively chill there. Um, nothing really has happened. Mm-hmm. There's been like cupboards that open, but they're they're old. They're cupboards. like the latches are shit. Sure. So that's what happens. But um, one day, I come out into we have like an upstairs living room, basically. It's just like a common area that all the bedrooms and the bathroom are connected to. Sure. And we have a bookcase with like all of our, I put like our, our nerdy books up there that are not for polite company. Sure. So I have like all my Harry Potters and I have all, you know, Lord of the Rings and Harry I Harry Potter's not for polite company? It, I have my nonfiction books downstairs. Oh, because that's who I, books. I want to impress people. Sure. So all of my my young adult literature and my Harry Potter, they go upstairs. That's not important. Yeah. So I have my collection of Harry Potters and they are nestled in their place. And I have like a collection of like memorabilia. Like Harry Potter doodads. Doodads. I have Luna's Spectre Specs. Uh, I have Hermione's wand. Aww. All that stuff. Kind of like displayed in front. Sure. As you do. Make a little shadow box. Make sort of a little thing. display kind of a thing. Shelf below, I have a little Ruth Bader Ginsburg action figure. Fun. Yeah, it's very good. Um, so I come out of my room and I see the first Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone book. Or the Philosopher's Stone. Or the Philosopher's Stone, if you live Elsewhere. other places. <laughs> um, I see it lying face down on the floor. And I was like, I don't keep that there. <laughs> Right, Harry Potter would be treated better than that. That's not where that goes. Um, And I I asked David, I was like, you didn't do it. You didn't take this out, did you? And he was like, no, obviously not. (laughs) And I like picked it up and I looked, you know, where it was, where it belonged. I was like, okay, you know, old floors bouncing around. Maybe it jostled out. No, that book was like fucking snug in there. Not only that, all the doodads are still in front of it. Not only that, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's tippy as fuck, was still standing firm on the shelf below. 
So you have a ghost who's trying to read Harry Potter. Yes, I should have left it out. I put it back. You can... No, I'm not putting that energy out. Right. <laughs> Jesus, Jen, don't address it. I'm not. I just, I just put it back, and I'm like, just casually keeping track of things now. Yeah. <laughs> but That is fascinating. I, I, I have not been to your house yet. I wonder if I'll get a feeling. I wish you wouldn't have told me so I could just like get a cold. Oh, beer. I'm sorry. That's okay. Maybe we'll find somebody who doesn't that's, listen. It's like, that's literally the only thing I've really encountered, and it's so small, but at the same time, I have no explanation for it. I mean, Harry Potter is significant in your life. I imagine mm-hmm. those books and doodads carry a lot of energy. Especially that first book. That's the one I've read the most. Really? Because just from sheer force of, like, you know, going back and rereading it sure. constantly. I skip that one all the time. If I'm going to reread, yeah. I'll start at three. <laughs> that's wise. <laughs> anyway, so that's my fun anecdote. That's super fun. Yeah. I don't have any fun anecdotes. That's fine. We can get right into it. Yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about today? We're talking about curses. The curse. We we did this a while ago. I think we did different curses. So we're doing curses. We're we're circling back we because are. there's so many curses, and we're gonna cover some of the most famous ones. Yeah, I think one of the things that people are hesitant to do are the big obvious stories. Yeah, me also, certainly. I don't want to fuck it up. Right, you don't want to <laughs> fuck it up, but at the same time, uh, your anthology is not complete without them. No. You know? We gotta do it. I think it's important that we're doing Mm -hmm. that tonight. And with no further ado, I'm gonna talk to you about Lake Kennedy Curse. (gasps) America's royalty. America's royalty, Mm -hmm. indeed. Uh, The Kennedys are a major American political family. Mm -hmm. Now, America, not big on... Well, you would think. (laughs) You would think wouldn't be big on uh, political families because that's like being a king. Yeah, we're not we're not in big favor of kings around here. But we I mean, arguably we started with it as far back as John Quincy Adams. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you would think that America would not be big on political families. But we're big fucking hypocrites. We certainly are. Um, yeah, even going back to like our second president and our sixth president, mm-hmm. father and son team. And they're not the only father and son team in the group. Yeah, uh Bush Bush, yep. H.W. and then W. It. Yeah. <laughs> but still. Uh, but like the, bookends. They are. Uh, the Bush. Wait, does that mean that we're America done? Is over? We're done now. <laughs> we're at the end of the show. Well, technically, you could go one past Bush because Adams, the first, was the You're second right. president. So Obama, and then <laughs> just cut it off. Perfect. We're done. <laughs> that sounds ideal. Oh, uh, we're going to get so many ugly letters about there, this. There might be some convincing evidence out there that the world has actually ended. And, and we're, we're all, in the darkest timeline. We're all living in some weird, uh, like, last neurons firing fever dream God, collective so... simulation. <laughs> we're going to be on a more positive note. We are. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, guys, I've been sick for like three weeks and my uterus is rebelling against me. I'm in no mood. Yeah. But that's okay. I do like talking about the Kennedys. I mean, who doesn't? Well, first off, they're real fucking handsome. Have you seen the Kennedys? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. What are they brewing up there? What is that? JFK was babe of the day for several days running in high school. It's very true. It's Mm -hmm. very true. But you know what? I'll see your JFK. I'm going to raise you an RFK. Give me Bobby. Ooh. 
We really missed out. We are going to talk about what a failure it is that RFK never got to be president. Let's take me, spin me a tale of words. I will spin you such a tale of words. First off, I'd like to introduce you to the Kennedys. Yeah. There be a fuck ton of them. Yeah. I have printed off the family tree here. It's a pretty overwhelming diagram. (laughs) Not helped by the fact that they are Catholic. They are very they are Catholic. Very Catholic. Yes. I They're know an this. Irish Catholic family. I did, in fact, know that JFK was our first and only Catholic president. This is a fact that I know. <laughs> Mazel! <laughs> so they're an Irish Catholic family. They were mostly Boston-based, so mm-hmm. they're Massachusetts people. So a believe... lot of repressed guilt. <sighs> yeah, and honestly, kind of rightly so. We're going to talk about some of that. <laughs> now, skeletons. I actually cut off part of the family tree here. Okay. This um, family came to America when... JFK, as the most famous Kennedy, he's going to be my point of reference. Yeah, he's the central Kennedy. Yeah, the central Kennedy. So JFK's grandparents. So how many generations uh, be before JFK? <laughs> be JFK. So not his father. His father was, an, was a first American. Yes. His grandfather was an Irish immigrant. Okay. Uh, they were fleeing the potato famine, mm. came, landed in Boston, and... Got fucking rich. Yeah. These people are fucking like, rich. Like, quick. Like, yeah. Like, came here Irish peasants. Uh-huh. By the time their son, JFK's father. Joe. Joseph. Joseph P. Kennedy, senior. By the time their these immigrants were settled and established, they sent their son to Harvard. Yeah. And he went on to be... I mean, they act like old, old money. Right. And... They kind of are at this point. But they're point, not but... like Dutch old money, but they're definitely Irish old money. <laughs> they're not the Van Tassels. <laughs> right. Right. But they're not that far behind. So Joseph P. and his children are the are where the curse sits. Okay. So the curse this is on sense. the descendants of Joseph and Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald. Yeah. Now, we have touched on Joseph P. before uh, when we talked about his daughter and her lobotomy. Mm-hmm. And her name was Rosemary. So Rosemary... Is the daughter. Was she it Rosemary or Rosemary? Rosemary. The gotcha. mother was called Rosemary. Okay. Joseph P. <laughs> and his wife, Rose Elizabeth Fitzgerald, mm-hmm. had eight children. Jesus. Joseph J. Patrick Kennedy Jr., uh-huh. John Fitzgerald, yep. Jack Kennedy, Rosemary Kennedy, mm-hmm. Kathleen Agnes Kennedy, Eunice May Kennedy, Patricia Helen Kennedy, Robert Francis, also known as Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> The sexy one. That's right. <laughs> uh, Jean Ann and Ted, who arguably, not bad looking. He's dead now, but who okay. isn't? I'll tell you who isn't. It's Jean Ann. She's still around. All of those Good other people her. are dead. Good for her. So the Kennedy curse is pretty elaborate. Yeah. If you look at it by child, it gets really confusing. So to learn all the names of the siblings, I actually oh, had to make a series of lists and a mnemonic God. device. Do tell. So we've got Joe Jr., JFK, Rosemarie, Kathleen, uh, Eunice, Pat, Bobby, Jean Ann, and Ted. Yeah. Okay, so. What does that spell? It, nothing. Damn. It has to be a sentence. Oh. Jared jogs right, kicking eggs past Big Jim's thighs. And that's how you'll remember. I... Don't remember the sentence That's except right. for thighs. I want you to picture in your head. Yeah. Uh, an Easter scene. Okay. And we've got competitive cousins. Yes. Who are all trying to collect the same Easter eggs. Okay. Jared's not having it. <laughs> He's going to use his soccer skills. Uh-huh. So, Jared jogs right, 
kicking eggs past Big Jim's thighs. It's just, it's the attention on the thighs that's really getting me. Listen, did you hear the letters I had to work with? I did. You would have been shocked when you know what? I tried. I, wow, okay. That That's a good one. I'm sure everyone will never be able to forget that mnemonic device. One more time. That one's going to go down in the history books. Jared jogs right, kicking eggs past Big Jim's thighs. Big Jim and his thunder thighs. That's right. Okay. Big stands for Bobby. Good. <laughs> that's big with a wink. <laughs> All right. So Joe Jr. was the oldest. And yeah. as such, he was the apple of his father's eye. His dad was grooming him for a political life. He encouraged all of his boys to go to Harvard like he did and join the secret clubs of Harvard like he did. Yep. And uh, while he was doing that, well, I'm sorry, while they were doing that, he was acting as a political figure. Uh, Specifically, he was the English and Irish ambassador uh, from America. Okay. So he spent a lot of his time overseas they were very well connected over there especially with higher placed families but they escaped the potato famine a generation before that yes like, that seems like these the are wrong the wrong side of the estate like <laughs> no seriously like i'm watching the dublin murders right now on stars very good show y'all should watch Absolutely. them and read the books that they're based on but like there's a big divide between the rich and the poor in historic ireland and they don't like each other. Fortunately, these bran- this branch of the Kennedys didn't give a single fuck. They guess were going to claw their way to the top. And I guess everyone at the top was like, fucking I guess. They had the money. Yeah, okay. When Forbes magazine first released their first like count of millionaires in America, mm-hmm. Joe Sr. was on the list, the first list of millionaires How in America. Get that money? We gonna talk about that. Okay, son. all right. I'm getting ahead of. <laughs> you, we are. You're getting, getting ahead, ahead of. I just want to the kids. All of the fucking paper trail. We'll get there. Okay. So the Kennedy curse. Joe Jr. was going to be el president. He wanted him to. Yeah, he wanted his father wanted him to be the president. He was grooming him towards that. He was grooming the three other boys, JFK, RFK, and Teddy, to do other things to support. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were all going to be a family who like wrote speeches for each other and were ambassadors So this is like another. the fucking Umbrella Academy of politics? Yes. That's very <laughs> apt, actually. Yes. Um, so Joe Jr., though, was a Navy man. He was a Navy pilot. Mm. And unfortunately, he was shot down during World War II. Mm. So he died. So all of the attention from... And then Joe was like, you know what? Our shining boy, he's gone. He's gone. I guess we've got to give up on our dreams. <laughs> False. All of that work now <laughs> went to JFK. Yes. Now, fortunately. Aaron Espair. Right. That, well, they're Catholic. Or seven. <laughs> right. Aaron, a couple of spares. Um, and none of the girls count. So. No, it's fine. Uh, so JFK is now the heir apparent. Mm-hmm. And he actually, for the most part, handled things pretty well. He was in the war. He did get injured. Uh, to where he had crippling back pain. Hmm. And uh, forgive me, everybody, I have not refreshed my JFK knowledge. I'm just telling you what I already know. So if I already know something that's wrong, tell me. That's fine. Yeah. Just everybody knows about JFK, so I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. There's nothing to say, and I'm not getting into the conspiracies Marilyn about Monroe, Miss Happy Birthday, Mr. President. So yeah, JFK cheated on his wife. Guess what? So did his dad. Yeah. His dad used to lead mistresses. Uh, through the family parlor as all the children played, past his wife upstairs to the bedroom. Fucking hell. 
Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. All while telling the children that, hey, family's really important and you have to support each other in all of your political gains. Yeah. Yeah. But just for the dudes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> JFK, of course, we know, goes on to be full on assassinated. He was shot November 22nd, 23rd? 1962. 22. 11, 22. 22 Sorry, I'm just thinking of the Stephen King novel. That's, it works. <laughs> the only reason I know the date. Uh, another thing that people don't know about him is that his back pain caused him such trauma that he was a reliable alcoholic. Yeah. And he also uh, was being treated with meth oh my while God. in the White House. Probably our first president on meth. Is it? I mean, we can't be sure. Right. No, we can't. <laughs> oh. Now, Rosemary. How are we alive? I mean, I guess we almost weren't. I can't. There were some dark days in that presidency, but there are it's days. a fucking miracle. There are dark days in every presidency and every kingship and queenship. and Yeah. And I guess not everything has gone so well because. Late stage capitalism. That and also two Casual world wars world. and. An ongoing war that will... Okay, um, we're just going to get past this. I need to just accept the fact that nobody who's ever been in charge should have been there, really. Yeah, speaking of people who shouldn't have been in charge, Joe Sr. had Uh his third child lobotomized. Fucking hell. Because she was too hard to control. Now, we've talked about that on the show before. Yeah. Uh, She was... Allegedly, allegedly, Mm -hmm. uh, she was never more intelligent than an eight-year-old, but a little bit I don't buy that because I've seen pictures of her at her debutante ball. Oh, yeah. You don't put an eight-year-old intellect in a ball gown with kings and queens. She was presented at court. Yeah, no. no. So They would have hidden her away from day whatever that they discovered Exactly. I Now, she maybe had seizures, and maybe one of those seizures changed her personality, or she was injured later. A lot of things are possible. Oh, wait. So is it not, like, 100% accepted that she was lobotomized? Or? Oh, no. She was 100% lobotomized. Oh, okay. That is very public. But what is debated is why? What or? is debated is why. Okay. If she actually needed a lobotomy, spoiler alert, nobody needs a lobotomy. Yeah, I was going to say, when is that ever done? Right. Anyone? Any good? So they say that the lobotomy was poorly done, but oh. it, there was like an accident on the table. Because but, it's a fucking lobotomy. Yeah. Also, you were driving rods into somebody's brain. Yeah. Trying to make them more controllable. Yeah. Whether whether that be for their own good or for yours, and I kind of suspect it was for his. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. So Rosemary, she lived out the rest of her days in Wisconsin, very close to where I grew up. So the next sister after Rosemary mm-hmm. is Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah. Arguably my favorite. I feel like she and I would have had a lot in common. Yeah. Kathleen Kennedy, first off, she was the it girl of her season in 1938. Oh, I got to respect. Right? An it girl. She was a debutante. She was very active with the American Red Cross during World War II. And she had a lot of close relationships in England that were actually kind of leading her away from, like, the Catholic Church. Hmm. She's one of the only ones to leave the Catholic Church. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, because she marries an English lord. <gasps> does she? she? Tell me more. She does. He's super handsome. Okay. There's Kathleen Kennedy. Okay. She looks rad. She, yeah, she does, doesn't she? She mm-hmm. looks like she would have read Dorothy Parker. Okay. And then let me see if I can find her wedding picture here. Let me get a gander. Get a look at that warlock. 
Ah, adorable. Yeah. I love it. So while she was working with the Red Cross, she began a romantic relationship with Lord Hartington. (gasps) She has the same rank as Edith, isn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. Marchioness. Marchioness. He was the William Cavendish Marquess of Hartington. Yep. Usually known to his family as whatever, it doesn't matter. He was the eldest son and heir apparent of the 10th Duke of Devonshire. There we go. Which, if you are an avid Keira Knightley fan, then you will know. Like I am, you will know. You'll be familiar with the Cavendish family of, of Devonshire. Devonshire. <laughs> yes, those. Georgina. I encourage you guys to look up what we're talking about. It's a good movie. Unfortunately, they're. Another fucked up family. <laughs> yup. So unfortunately, their their romance is short lived. They they do get married, Church of mm-hmm. England. She becomes the Marchioness of Hartington, but she her husband is killed because they got married in 1944. The war was still on, so Sad. he was killed in active duty, and she dies four years later. She's on a plane with her new partner, the eighth Earl Fitzwilliam. Keep it, right? You know that's right, right up at the top. <laughs> Once you're there, you stay there. You stay there. And she would, they were flying to France. Oh. They flew through a storm and she crashed. Plane crashes, gonna be a theme here. Okay. Yeah. So that was, her nickname was Kick. Isn't that a great nickname? Oh. Right? Yeah. I loved her. That you was, loved her. I did. Once. So we're, uh, we're on these children. We have talked about already. Jerry. Joe Jr. Dead. Jr. Oh, wait. Just, you ready? No, it's fine. Jerry <laughs> jogs right. Yeah. Kicking eggs past. Okay, so we have kicked. Yep. So now we're going to eggs. Yes. Okay. You ready? Yes. All right. Eunice. <sighs> Eunice starts the Special Olympics. Okay. Very few things that are bad happen to Eunice. Okay. Arguably, that's because she did so many good things. She goes on to marry Robert Sergeant Shriver Jr. Okay. So you know the Kennedy Shriver family out in California? No. How... I don't know. Maybe. Do I? You should. What? Okay. Tell me about them. Well, first off, eventually she becomes mother-in-law to Arnold Schwarzenegger. <gasps> Maria Kennedy Shriver. Oh, didn't? Isn't that the one he like cheated on with yes. the nanny? Yes. I do. Because men ain't shit. They ain't. It's true. Uh, so, and and for the most part, that's I love that of... this. The first half of this episode is just going to be all hot, hot. 1960s gossip. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. Um, so yeah, Maria goes on to marry Arnold Schwarzenegger, whose middle name I learned from this uh, family tree is mm-hmm. Alois. A-L-O-I-S. That sounds very Austrian. Right? Arnold Alois Schwarzenegger. And so they go on to have four children. Mm-hmm. And eventually he has a fifth child with their fucking nanny. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, uh, another sibling who doesn't have... Too terrible of a time. Patricia Helen Kennedy. She's the one who marries the husband with the impossibly long name. Okay. Peter Sidney Ernest Lawford. They go on to have four kids. And from what I can tell, nothing ever happens to those kids. You know what that reminds me of? Hmm. That song from Cinderella where they're listing off all his names. <laughs> Christopher Rupert. Yes. Uh, yes. Is throwing a ball. <laughs> Jared. Jogs. Right? Yep. So, Joe. JFK. Rosemary. Yeah. Kicks. Eggs. Past. Kicking. Kicking. Eggs. Past. That's Pat. Past. And now we're on to Big Jim. Big mm-hmm. being Bobby. Yeah. Okay. RFK. Okay. Yeah. Bobby Kennedy. All right. What do I love most about Bobby Kennedy? 
It's politics. Mm. There is nothing sexier than a real liberal man. Yeah. There's not. I'm sorry. Yeah. There isn't. <laughs> um, so uh, Bobby Kennedy was originally just going to support his brother. Mm-hmm. He was going to be a good legal mind and kind of like be in the family business. Yeah. Maybe take up, you know, an ambassadorship. Right. A minor role in the administration. Of yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Not too minor. I mean, he's still a fucking Kennedy. Right. But unfortunately, things went awry with mm-hmm. that presidency. Yeah. Uh, he, he stuck around. He helped with the presidency of Lyndon B. Johnson, who, speaking of people who cheated on their wives, <laughs> you know what his favorite thing to do was? Mm. Whip his dick out at people. Oh, yeah. I probably would have laughed. Honestly, like, had I worked for that administration, I would have been like, Yow, you, you, That's oh, the LBJ, <laughs> oh, President Johnson, take that Johnson away. Have you heard any of the recordings of his phone calls? No. Oh, you haven't? Are they amazing? The, yeah. I can't wait. So he started the whole trend of recording things uh-huh. in the <laughs> Oval Office. Sure. There is a phone call where he is ordering ordering a pair of pants. And he is going into great detail about the amount of room that he needs. In the crotch? In the crotch. I can't wait. Guys, and he's like talking about, he's talking about like, yeah, I don't like my nuts, you know, when my nuts hang. I mean, <laughs> it's so, someone animated it and Please put it me. on YouTube. Oh my God, I can't wait. All right. It's so good. Guys, we are going to post that later. Yeah. Uh, you'll enjoy that. Um, so, so. Yeah, where my nuts hang. Stop it. Gross. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Serious time, Jen. It's serious time. Yeah, this is the Kennedy curse. This, this is, is really business. sad. Okay. Okay. So. <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm going to punch you square in your face. I have like an easy 700 pounds on you, and I'm going to punch you square in the face. Okay. Like a gorilla attacking a toddler. Uh, Everybody's going to call me Harambe from now on. We're going to have to put you down. Dicks out for Harambe. <laughs> All right, I Which is up. exactly what LBJ was about. It was. All right. So he stuck around for the Lyndon administration, and then eventually he gets ready to run in 68. He's in the Democratic primary. He has just won California. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a really, really, really great platform. Mm-hmm. We are a worse nation for having been robbed of Robert Kennedy. Yeah. Because he could have made it. He could have been president. Yeah. So... His platform is racial and economic justice. In 1968, that was really important. He had a non-aggression in foreign policy, a decentralization of power, and all about social change. A crucial element of his campaign, and this is, I'm quoting right from Wikipedia here, a crucial element of his campaign was an engagement with the young, whom he identified as being the future of a reinvigorated American society that is based in partnership and equality. God bless America. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Can you imagine how different things would have been? Yeah. Instead, who did we get? I think we get Nixon. Nixon. Yeah. Yeah, because he was reelected in 72. Yeah. Can you imagine? Man. Now. Man. Yeah. So. But arguably, then we would have never had President Ford. Darn. (laughs) I know. I wish I wouldn't have had that job. It's okay. Jen's like, selfishly. He haunts me. Uh, all right. So Bobby Kennedy uh, is assassinated as well, mm-hmm. just like his brother, although not in Dallas. In this case, he's in California. Yeah, different circumstances. Right. He had just won a major victory with the California primary. Now, anybody who knows anything about the Electoral College in this country, and for those of you who aren't familiar. It's fucked up. 
girl. Yep. So instead of one person, one vote in America, what we actually have are an electoral college. So all of our votes that like normal people vote don't fucking matter. Yeah. And then there's a couple of people who decide who the president is sort of loosely based on who their state voted for. But yeah. not always. Fun fact, that was specifically designed back in the day because they didn't trust people yep. to make good choices. And look where it got us. Yep. Because <laughs> they thought it would be a good idea to have one you know, stopgap to have people decide what's best for America. And look what they fucking decided. Well, they got so excited about the Great American Experiment and then shot themselves in the fucking foot by yeah. abandoning the experiment at its inception. Well, because they didn't trust uneducated masses, which arguably... <laughs> I can understand their idea, but recently you're either, seen. You're either a democracy or you're not. But the point is, it backfired yes, completely. It, it failed to serve its purpose. So I, we should end it. We should not talk about this. Yeah, I'll just get mad. Yep. All right. So he's assassinated. Uh, he had just won the California primary. Uh, he was talking to his his supporters uh, after winning, and they were in the Ambassador Hotel in Los Angeles. He's leaving, and instead of going the prearranged path with his bodyguard, he's suddenly told to go through the kitchen. By who? We don't know. At least, I don't know. It's never been in anything I've ever mentioned. So the CIA. Could be. Could also be business people who were against him. Conspiracy! Honestly, I... I That one I believe more than JFK. Oh, I believe both of them. Okay. Yeah. We'll get into that in another episode, I guess. Both of the Kennedys were surprisingly liberal. Oh, for the time period. Yeah. And when you are getting the support of so much of the country and mm-hmm. you're talking about radical change and you have that much power, the Kennedys knew rich people. The Kennedys had rich donors. Mm-hmm. The Kennedys uh, had power and grace and nobility. They had support from across the ocean. They had they it all, baby. They could have changed this country. Yeah. And there are people who have a vested, pocketed wallet interest in making sure this country does not change. Mm-hmm. And we are still seeing the effects of that with our current administration mm-hmm. and run. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and you know what? Get off your soapbox, Kate yep. Reed. Yep. 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 <laughs> so. Uh, Welcome he, to our political paranormal podcast. Listen, don't start me because I will. <laughs> I know. We've already had one person unsubscribe because of that. I know. I saw that on Instagram. That yeah. person can get fucked. Oh, well. Uh, so. Bobby Kennedy. Yeah. He would have been so great. Yeah. I'm sorry. All right. So he goes through the kitchen with his bodyguard. Shots ring out. He is struck three times. Mm. He collapses on the floor and he dies within the night. Yeah. Uh, he is held very famously uh, by a busboy oh. um, in this picture. And a lot of people thought the busboy was the boy who killed him, the man who killed him. He was actually killed by 24-year-old Palestinian Sirham Sirham. Yeah. Which I've also heard pronounced Saram Saram. So we tried to figure this out. Right. We tried to crack this code. Uh, say it however your country says it. I don't care. Yeah. So this Palestinian kills him. It's not even really clear why. And he's gone. Yeah. And we get fucking Nixon. Okay. It's fine. It's fine. <sighs> Let's move on from Bobby. Bobby is taken from us. Yeah. And now we have Jean Ann. Mm-hmm. Jean Ann also largely lives a life of peace. Uh, She's the only sibling who is still alive. She marries Stephen Edward Smith, and they have four children. Good for them. Lovely. And then finally, we have Ted. Yes. Dear old Ted. Ted is probably the Kennedy that you have heard about in your lifetime, because 
Ted Kennedy died in 2009. Mm-hmm. So was Ted Kennedy affected by the curse? You bet your sweet bippy he was. Ted Did Kennedy he? had a hell of a fucking life. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, first off, he watched his eldest brother die, uh-huh. and then his second eldest brother die, and then his third, his sister get lobotomized, his other sister died yeah, I in mean, an airplane crash. Just being a witness to all this. Yes. Yeah. He watched his father be a jackass. In 1963, not only did he lose uh, the nephew, right, because uh, JFK and Jackie were pregnant. They had a stillborn child in uh-huh. 1963. Uh, they also saw his brother get assassinated and his father joseph senior had a stroke in that same year that left him mostly paralyzed and unable to speak my god hell of a year mm-hmm. 63 all right so in 1964 after the assassination ted ted kennedy is involved in a fatal plane crash ted kennedy does not die he is pulled from the wreckage he had broken his back his neck his ribs and i think one of his legs what the fuck yes uh he suffered hours upon hours of a t- terrible rehabilitation oh my god he had a very rough time of it and he was coming off of this incredibly painful familial time yeah you know so it's a it's a bad time oh uh correction to my earlier statement uh joe kennedy had his stroke in 1961 two years before the assassination of jackie of jack uh, jack (sighs) jack and jackie really shouldn't have been a thing i'm just saying right so uh in 1969 ted kennedy is going to run for president Mm. Uh, he is the last remaining boy, and of course, that power just seems to be tripling down the line. So he is working with one of his brother Bobby's staffers. She was a wonderful writer. So he is um, he's going he's gone to a party on Chappaquiddick Island, Chappaquiddick. which is very close to Martha's Vineyard, mm-hmm. and uh, he was driving back through this sort of lowland marshy area, mm-hmm. and. The car, he loses control of the car, it overturns. In the car is Ted Kennedy, Mary Jo Kopechny, and then in the back seat we have Joseph Gargan, who was Kennedy's cousin, and former U.S. attorney from Massachusetts, Paul Markham. All four of them are in the car when it overturns. The three men make it out. Mary Jo does not. What the fuck? She's one of the first U.S. women to be actively involved in politics. Her voice and her words... She wrote Robert Kennedy's anti-Vietnam speech. Hmm. Um, She was a contributor, I should say. She probably can't take full credit, but she was a massive part of that. She was smart, and she died. Some people say that she died on impact. Mm -hmm. Other people have said there's evidence that she had clawed her way to the back of the car. Uh, The car went in at an angle so that the air bubble Mm -hmm. would have been near the back. She was in the back seat with her hands grasping and her face near the near where the air bubble would have been. Um, When Ted Kennedy got out of the water with the other two men, they did not report the accident for 10 hours. Why? Ted Kennedy and Mary Jo's mother will say it's because he was concussed and he was in shock. Uh Uh-huh. But the other two men were not. And so why didn't they report it? Why indeed. There's a whole movie about this. There I, haven't, is. I haven't seen it. Neither have I. Uh, Andy Bernard is in it, which I found surprising. <laughs> is he one of the staffers? Because he just kind of so. has staffer face. I haven't watched it. Uh, the movie's called Chappaquiddick. You guys should check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chappaquiddick and, and the death of Mary Jo haunts Ted Kennedy for the rest of his life and was frequently used as a 
Republican insult, really. Mm. They, they turned that woman into a footnote of her own death, uh, that she would be just be used as a political pawn against him. But on the other hand, he also did not report the accident for 10 hours. She was in that car, drowned, uh, and it's possible that they could have saved her. Yeah. So that's just kind of the start. That's that's just the kids we have here. Mm -hmm. They also have, their children have children. Yeah. So just giving you a quick rundown. Uh, So Ted's son in 1973 loses a leg to cancer. Mm. Uh, Bobby Kennedy's son, Joe Kennedy III, is involved in a car accident that leaves a woman paralyzed. Bobby's other son, David, dies of a drug overdose. William Kennedy, who's Jean uh, Jean Ann's son, well, it's kind of a gray area. Mm -hmm. He was tried for murder. I'm sorry. What? Sorry. No, he was tried for rape. Oh. In 1991. But he was found innocent. But also, you know how rich white men are found innocent more often than, like, not? Mm Mm-hmm. Gray area. Yeah. Um, Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Right. I don't know anything about this case. (laughs) Michael Kennedy, who's Bobby Kennedy's third son, dies in a fatal ski accident. Right. So, but also in the months before his death, he was in rehab for alcoholism, a family Mm. trait. And also he was being investigated for, uh, what do they call consensual rape? Um, Statutory? Statutory rape. He was having sex with his underage babysitter. Why is that a thing? His underage. Oh, so his, the babysitter, the babysitter of, his of his children. children. Okay. Yes. I was like, Sorry. his babysitter is younger than him. <laughs> and then there's John John. Mm-hmm. Do you know John John Kennedy? Do you remember when he passed? It was a big story. History of case son, right? Yes, he is. Okay. Uh, very just, famously in his little blue suit at his father's. Which is recreated you know. by Buster Blue. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, so John John Kennedy uh, dies in 1999. Uh, his He and his wife are flying over uh, Nantucket. No, Martha's Vineyard again in a small town. It's always Martha's Vineyard. With them, it is. Yeah. <laughs> they are Martha's Vineyard people. So they he was another one who was political. They were hoping that he would eventually get together a presidential run. And, you know, they had all these hopes of him getting him in the White House. It feels like with this family, you really should never say the word president in the same sentence as... If nothing else, you should never get in a plane with them. Yeah. There's a lot of plane here. It's like any time they're like, oh, he could be president. He will be dead. Right. Within the year. Yeah. Um, so that was in 1999. And then things kind of quiet down. I've yeah. actually skipped over things that I, I find to be not as invigorating. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. So Ted Kennedy eventually is diagnosed with brain cancer. The following year, 2009, he dies. His only daughter died in 2011. Mm-hmm. She had a heart attack. And then in 2012, the wife of Robert Kennedy Jr. Okay. committed suicide at their home. And so uh, there are still people who are being affected by this today. So what the fuck did Joe do? What the fuck did Joe do? What kind of deal did he make? I have a couple make? different theories. Okay, so my initial skeptic prevailing theory is that they're a rich, large family that are in the spotlight and so frequently get targeted and also frequently fly on planes. And I'll just just have a lot of them. So yeah. there's a lot of chances to die. That is part of it. Okay. Yes, definitely. If we're going to talk about the Kennedy curse, we have to talk about maybe there's no Kennedy curse. Now, yeah. Ted Kennedy himself suggested that the family was under some terrible curse okay. uh, following Chapquick. I mean... 
Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like he would be the one to kind of feel that. Well, in Chappaquiddick, a lot of shit had happened very yeah. recently. You yeah. Know? Like, both brothers had been assassinated within five years. Yeah. So. He's had a rough, he had a rough 60s. <laughs> yeah. So, modern Kennedys, though, have said that there is no curse, and, and it's exactly what you said. It's mm-hmm. a large family that's highly placed. They do things like pilot their own small aircraft yeah. and go skiing on Black Diamond Hills because that's what rich people do. And those planes go down and, you know, look what happened to Sonny Bono. What did happen to Sonny Bono? You don't remember when Sonny Bono died? No. Oh, man. When did he die? 96? Okay. I was John Bonet Ramsey's age. So the Kennedy family, a lot has happened. Where was I two seconds ago? Oh, Sonny Bono. Sonny Bono yeah. was skiing down a black diamond hill, lost control of the skis, hit a tree, died instantly. Oh. As in, like, Sonny, babe, I got you. No, I know who Sonny Bono is. Now, he was political later in his life, too. I think at the time he might have been a congressperson. Oh. What? Yeah. What? Google it. Okay. Everything that I've read to you has not been in order. So when we're talking about the Kennedys, maybe there's not a curse. We have to talk about that. Uh-huh. Maybe the curse is having their fucking father. Their father Mm. was a manipulative, angry, greedy man who pushed his children incredibly hard to be high success driven people. I think it's some kind of karmic curse on him. You reach too high, you will get struck down. That could be. Maybe maybe he social climbed too fast and like like Icarus, he was (laughs) his whole family was shot back to the earth. Mm. But I don't the thing about karma is it should only affect you. And this is affecting his children. Right. To my knowledge. It's like. Um, the sins of the father. It, that. And it's like the. <laughs> it's it's like the curse or, or like whatever premonition of in Game of Thrones that the witch gives to Cersei. Yes. She's like your children will have golden crowns and gold shall be the crowns and gold shall be their shrouds. Yes. Yes, Exactly. So maybe it is karmic uh, mm-hmm. because Joe Kennedy Sr. was a fucking dick mm-hmm. and a criminal. Some of his money he made through insider trading. Oh, so okay. I was wondering. So when he was, you know, he graduated from Harvard in like 1912 or so. And as he's amassing his fortune, amassing his fortune, what's coming down the line? Good question. The Great Depression. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's got all of his money in, this, in these stocks and bonds and, and Wall Street he worked with other Catholic, Irish Catholic businessmen to drive the price of their stocks up, uh, okay. utilizing insider trading. Mm-hmm. And then he realized how popular the stock market was getting. And so he pulled his money out just as the stock market fell. And then he bought up a bunch of real estate from all of the people who were you know, going out of business yeah. and losing their homes. Uh-huh. And then he rented those spaces back to them at a profit. He also diversified his accounts quite a bit. Um, he was he was not just in stocks. He was not just in land. He mm-hmm. was also in film. Uh, there used to be many, many, many small movie theater sure. um, movie production companies. Yes, and so he organized those and he sold them and he uh, so turned them into the big behemoths that we have today. He also was involved in uh, war profiteering. Well, sorry, I call it war profiteering. But that's because he profited know, off of war. He did. He profited <laughs> off of war. He was uh, asked to uh, grow rubber trees 
effectively, mm -hmm. uh, because there was a concern that the Germans would cut off America from rubber shipments from the from Asia. Well, Japan was selling us rubber, weren't they? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, and then they were so keen on that. And then so much for that. So he was able to make money there. Uh, also, are you familiar with Libby glasses? No. Yes, you are. Okay. I promise you, if you've ever bought glasses at Meyer, like glasses, like oh, oh, okay, mm -hmm. Libby glass, sure. That's a Kennedy company. Okay. <laughs> so they have all of these different ways to make money, and you know there's political kickbacks too. Like you know there are. As much as I enjoy the Kennedys, for the most part, I also get mad at rich people who take advantage of a society. Oh yeah, for sure. So it is possible that those sins made him a bad enough person to punish the whole family. But again, I just don't like the idea of the sins of the father mm -hmm. being taken out on the sons. Right, yeah. And daughters. Shitty. Shitty. So my they favorite theory is, uh, remember, I told you these by order of child, mm -hmm. right? I did not tell you them in chronological order. Okay. If I were to flip open this article that I used as my as my basis for research. It's the Hollywood News Daily, and this was written by Amanda Lynn, July 22nd. Amanda Lynn, Amanda Lynn that's her name. <laughs> July 22nd, 2016. The Kennedy Curse. Timeline of tragic events involving America's royal family. The Kennedy Curse kicks off in 1941. Mm -hmm. What happened in 1941? December 7th. A day will live in infinite. 41. Nope. In 1941, Kennedy patriarch Joe... I mean, Pearl Harbor did, in fact, happen in 1941. It's true. <laughs> it's true. But also, the lobotomy of Rosemary Kennedy. Okay, so mm -hmm. that's what... That's and after that, things fall apart real fucking quick. Okay. So in 1941, Rosemary gets her botched lobotomy. Yep. 44, Joseph Patrick Kennedy, the Navy pilot, uh -huh. dies while out on World War II duty. 1948, Kit Kennedy dies in her airplane. In 1944, her husband dies four months mm. into their marriage. Mm -hmm. 1955, John and Jackie give birth to their first child, who is a stillborn daughter. Uh. 1961, Joe Kennedy Sr. suffers the stroke. 63, Kennedy, newborn son, dies. Patrick, I believe is his name. Uh -huh. Yep, Patrick Bouvier Kennedy. And then he's assassinated. 1964, Ted goes down in the plane crash. It all kicks off with Rosemary. And that, I to me, and maybe this is just because I take it so fucking personally, mm. that a young woman who, even if she wasn't a gifted intellect. Yeah, you don't have to be smart to deserve not, not to have a lobotomy. Right. <laughs> yes. It, it all starts there. And, mm -hmm. and I can't help but think that that is the crux of what we know as the Kennedy curse. To take a member of your family and allow her... To have her brain punctured by mm -hmm. doctors for your own comfort. And yeah. so your sons can succeed as a political... She piece. was a sacrifice. Turns and out I, they all were. Karma was like, fuck you. Fuck you. I've made myself sad and mad again. Okay. Every time we do this. Every time. You I need to excited. stop. You need to stop. I know, right? I should just quit the podcast. And no, you need to just like pick... Happy haunted things? Yeah. Frankly. <laughs> All right, so I've pissed myself off enough. Um, I hope I haven't pissed off everybody else. Let me take you back. Take me, take me back. Take me on a journey. Country roads through the sands of time to the Sahara. 
I'm gonna buy the Nile. Guys, I wish you could see her right now. She's swaying in the air like a palm tree. My arms like a palm tree on the banks of the Nile River. I feel like we're about to break and do like a Prince of Egypt song. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh my god. (laughs) There can't be miracles. Sing it. What you believe. When you hear it. Mariah. R.I.P. The hope is frail. It's hard to give. It's hard to give. Okay. I want to do that whole song with you. Oh, God. Let's do a duet. It's a fucking great song. So I'm not talking about the Prince of Egypt. Where's the pity? I'm talking about the King of Egypt. Which one? King Tutankhamun. (laughs) Or if you are English, you say Tutankhamun. Or, if you are lazy, you would say... King Tut. King Tut. King Tut. Jeff, yeah. was King Tut one of the last exhibits we worked together? Did you work oh, I didn't work Tut, no. Uh, I went to see it with Chelsea. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, most of you have heard of King Tut. King. Some of you have seen recreations of his tomb. Some of you may have been lucky to see the originals. Yeah, I don't know the last time those were let out of Egypt, actually. Okay, okay. That came up a lot when we were working the replica exhibit. Gotcha. Yeah, because they don't let those no. out of Egypt anymore. And rightly so. And I rightly think. so. Uh, those are treasures, national treasures to Egypt. And I'm going to get really salty about a lot of museum shit uh, yep. soon. So <laughs> for those of you who want... Any, you know, background information on who the hell King Tut actually is, I will tell you. He lived around 1342 BCE. He, well, that's about when he was born and he died about 1325 BCE. Because as we all know, we're just counting down to the birth of Jesus. Right. Yeah, BCE. say what year he was born again? 1342. As soon as they get to the backwards numbers, I have to like make my brain go left. Yeah. 1342, and he died when? 1325. Okay, wow. He had a very short life. But I he knew did that. have he a short died life. At like 16, 17? He was 18 or 19. Okay. Yep. He was an ancient Egyptian pharaoh, the last of his royal house, the son of Akhenaten and Nefertiti, possibly. Uh, Akhenaten, if you don't know, uh, he is another one of the big name pharaohs. Yes. But his, his claim to fame is that he converted Egypt to monotheism. Hmm. Did you know that? It's amazing what I can forget. So I'm going to say yes. I feel like I knew that at some point in time. Because yeah. I went through and they scratched his name off of stuff. Yeah, so he did. This was like a big deal. Because as we all know from the Prince of Egypt, the Egyptians believed traditionally in a lot of different gods. A pantheon even. Yeah. You might say. Yeah, a polytheist. Yeah. Akhenaten, the father of Tutankhamun. Mm-hmm. Believed in the god Aten, hence his name, Akhenaten, because mm-hmm. uh, they all kind of just do that derivative thing. Aten is the, I used, I was confused about this. Aten is the disc of the sun. Sure. Some which worship. is an aspect of the sun god Ra. Okay. And it is represented by a yellow disc with long, thin rays ending in hands extending from the bottom half of the disc. So like sun rays. Yeah. And they're giving unto the earth. Which makes perfect their sense bounty. to me. Yes. Akhenaten and Nefertiti both convert to this monotheistic religion. 
And they say there are no more gods except for Aten. And it went really smoothly, right? <laughs> they hated him. This was called the Armana period. Um, and they went through a period of iconoclasm where they destroyed a bunch of the old monuments and temples. And they're like, there's no, forget about Ra, forget about Isis, forget about uh, um, Horus. Horus. So yeah, he destroyed a bunch of the temples. So he dies. Tutankhamun. Tutankhamun. Tut. But let's our, just let's get into it. I don't think we have to be fancy about this. Okay. I Everybody mean, knows that yeah. we're American, and that comes with some liabilities. Okay. So King Tut comes to power, and he is not about his dad's religion. So he he actually changes his name from Tutan Aten uh-huh. to Tutan Kamen. Okay. Um, and he begins restoring damaged monuments. Uh, he, he moves his father's remains to the Valley of the Kings. So I guess he kind of likes his dad, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. Any it's, leader will, if they're a smart leader, yeah, they're not going to desecrate another leader. You don't want to shit on your predecessor's legacy because that means that your that means successor yeah. can shit on yours. <laughs> and, and additionally, you don't want to be setting a precedent for being shitty to... Royalty, mm-hmm. because that's how you get deep Yeah, that is why Elizabeth I famously did not want to execute Mary, Queen of Scots. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so he had some kind of issues going on. He His left foot had some kind of physical deformity that meant that he had to walk with a cane. He also had a cleft palate, scoliosis, and str- several strains of malaria. Uh, and this is, I think, because, or people think it's because... His parents were at least half siblings. Yep. Also, incest is the best. He Put married your to the test. His half sister. Yep. <laughs> and they had two daughters that didn't make it past. Well, one of them was stillborn, and the other died shortly after birth. And so he married his half sister. Yeah. And so she was probably the product also of incest. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Akhenaten had. Uh, a number of wives. And so this is actually, this is like a whole thing where like they have located and done the DNA tests and found both of King Tut's parents mm-hmm. who they think are Akhenaten and Nefertiti. Right. They are not sure. Right. Because Akhenaten had a number of wives, Nefertiti being the chief among them. Sure. And so it's just a whole thing. Yep. Think very Game of Thrones, very Habsburg, but like, Way more. Yeah. But, like, they had, you know... Multiple wives and... And longer to do it. Yeah. It was the practice to marry siblings for... So think Targaryens. Yeah. But, like, with arms growing out. Like, with unfinished faces and, like, arms growing out of their heads. Yeah. So, not surprisingly, he had a lot of health defects. And he died when he was 18 or 19. Mm -hmm. So, he died. He was buried in a tomb that was smaller than usual for someone of his status... Likely because his death was so sudden. Right. Sudden. Don't have a whole lot of time to build up a big ass pyramid. Yeah, there was no pyramid building for him. So the tomb could have originally been meant for someone else. Um, and they also had issues where it was customary to wait 70 days to bury the dead, during which they did the mm-hmm. mummification the mummification process and embalming and wrapping and all that. Um, but then 
you know, like 70 days is a long time for us (laughs) to wait before burying someone. And we're not even in the Egyptian heat. Yeah. But, I mean, that is very arid heat. So the reason why all these mummies survive is because it's so dry. dry. Um, So they waited 70 days to bury it. They made it sound in the Wikipedia article that this is mostly from that they're like, well, they hit the 70-day mark and they had to bury him. So it was like they couldn't just build it to. Anyway, that's fine. Um, So they, you know, inter him in this other tomb. That was basically it. Uh, There was evidence. Spoiler alert, they found the tomb. That's what this whole thing is about. (laughs) So I'm not really... There was evidence when they found the tomb that it was had been robbed twice in antiquity. Um, They had noticed that it was like kind of resealed. Mm -hmm. uh, and, And they somehow figured out that perishable oils and perfumes were taken. Um, because they would have been present. Because they would have been present and they were gone. Um, but because there was evidence of it being restored and resealed, uh, they were able to figure out that this happened shortly after the initial internment and then never again. Yep. And so over time, it was lost to time being buried by debris from the construction of other tombs and workers houses being built over it Mm -hmm. so they just lost track which is exactly what happened to king richard iii as well yeah he was found under a car park right or a parking lot or a parking lot as you say in america car park uh so gosh actually there are a lot of similarities between tut and richard iii now that i think about it scoliosis scoliosis inbred uh yeah I mean, if you're going inbred, that's like that's all royalty is similar. Right. That's, that's an ugly. Marry other people. Spread the genes apart. It's not that hard, people. Spread your seed further from the tree. Right. Dear God. I could carry it for a while. I don't know why that popped in my head. Share the load. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Did you just? Oh, Jennifer. <laughs> You're going oh. straight to hell for that. Samwise Gamgee will help you. Stop it. All right. All right. So, obviously, we're here to talk about... The curse. The curse. The curse. Which happens when people disturb it. Yeah. Guys, don't don't go rooting around in graves. That's how you get Just curses. Just don't do it. Just don't do it. Right. Um, Although, what is the difference between archaeology and grave robbing? Archaeology doesn't have to involve grave robbing. <laughs> You know, the difference is writing it down, Jen. <laughs> Archaeology, you publish what you found. Grave robbing, you just take it and spend it. That's true. That's true. Uh, but also, archaeology doesn't have to involve grave robbing. It does not. Uh, famously, a lot of the best archaeology comes from excavating garbage pits. It's very true. We've got a really great site. In They're Niles, really good at Michigan. layering things. Yep. It's really easy to see. And then you also get all kinds of interesting things like ephemera, like yeah, garb, like little packages, and it's just interesting. Um, I almost went into archaeology. Of course you did. You're and then I realized person. it was fucking boring. Uh, not only is it fucking boring, it's physically demanding. It is like getting around in the dirt. No thanks. Yeah, I'm too fat for that. So okay, between fast forward to 1905, we have. Between 1905 and 1914, Theodore Davis, an American lawyer, held the concession rights for excavating the Valley of Kings. That's right. 
you could buy the right to excavate the tombs of kings, which was fucking bananas if you think about it. This mm-hmm. is some colonial ass bullshit. Today can you, you can buy stars. Stars weren't people. They don't give a shit if you own them because you can't First off, own you them. You don't know that. You can't own a star because right, it right. is a big ball of gas bur- burning billions of miles away, as Puma says. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, no, the fireflies. <laughs> the fireflies. No, uh, uh, imagine someone from China purchased the rights to just dig up Westminster Abbey. <laughs> and I feel take, like you're just going to be giving people ideas the more you talk about and this. Take whatever the fuck they wanted to. Because that is a stage of late stage capitalism that I'm sure we're coming to. But I feel like once you get to the whites, People would be like, whoa, hang on, that's our heritage. Oh, no, yeah, I'm sure. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Like, yeah. Imagine, I'm, sure, I'm sure people would have a problem Imagine with someone is on a quest to find the body of Queen Elizabeth I. That's essentially what we're talking They're about. They're not going to have to work that hard. She's pretty well marked. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but anyway, yes. But it's just so insulting to, have, to like sell to the highest bidder the right to just come desecrate all the tombs of your ancestral kings yep it's just wild to me at this point in time though in uh what yeah england has full control over egypt right probably yeah yeah so because they they have the suez canal yeah so because they want to get to india and it they 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 england holds on to egypt all the way through till 1955 or so yeah something like that so yeah it's real fucked up so Colonialism's not great, guys. It's not. It's really not. I have always been a big fan of, like, ancient Egypt and also been super interested in the excavation of ancient Egypt because... It's fascinating. It is it is interesting to, that we learned so much about it, but it's also, like, so offensive. Yep. So, anyway, this guy, this American lawyer, he unearthed 10 different tombs. He went through most of what he thought were like the big tombs and he was still he he found several objects in certain tombs that referred to a tutankhamun uh including handles knobs whatever and so he was looking for this tomb but had kind of run the course of what was available right to him. they thought that the valley of the kings was empty that yeah. there was nothing left yeah he he wrote um, I fear the Valley of the Tombs is exhausted. So he gets kind of discouraged. 1907, Howard Carter, a British archaeologist and Egyptologist, uh, he's invited by William Garston and Gaston Maspero <laughs> to excavate on behalf of George Herbert, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. Who? <laughs> That's right, the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. Why do I know that name? Because he is the real-life inhabitant of High Clear Castle. What's High Clear Castle? Stand-in for Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Plus Downton and Abbey. And here we are. Fun fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the uh, dogs in Downton Abbey have, have Egyptian names. Yeah. Pharaoh. Isis. Isis T.O. Yeah. Those are the three dogs. And they did that on purpose because the time period that Down Abbey is set in is the exact same time that the fifth Earl of Carnarvon was living. Isn't that fantastic? In the High Clear Castle. I mean, it's also not fantastic because, again, colonialism. Colonialism. (laughs) 
But but it's still so bad. I fucking love Downton Abbey, and I don't care how problematic it is. I'm going to love it forever, and no one can take it from me. Yeah. I, have, I bought the movie. You want to go watch it? I, I saw it again over Christmas. Nice. God is a monarchist. I'm going to watch it tomorrow. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good Snow Day movie. It is. So anyway, so Lord Carnarvon and Carter are hoping that they would take over the concession to dig after this American guy gives it up. But he wouldn't give it out of his clutches for seven more years. And then, of course, also World War One happens. Whoops. Whoop. So in the meantime, they're kind of digging around uh, the Theban necropolis. So anyway, eventually they do gain access to the Valley of the Kings and they began a systematic search for the tomb of King Tut. Uh, and it took them a lot of years. Uh, they finally located it in November of 1922. They had like uncovered a step and they got like super excited about it. Um, uh, Carter like sent a telegram to Lord Carnarvon that was like, great success. I will wait to uncover it until you get here. And it was the most like 1920s Hustle, motherfucker. We done found a step. Yeah. Um, and so they spent a lot of time, like, painstakingly, like, uncovering all of the different steps. And then they get to the door, and there's still the seals. Oh, the seals is when he uh, wires the, the guy. Reveal. And then he's like, come back now. Hustle. Um, oh, the seals are intact. Yeah. So there's this account of when they break open the seals, and they put... Like, they put their torches in, and they, like, see what's inside. And he goes, so this is what Carter wrote. With trembling hands, I made a tiny breach in the upper left-hand corner. Darkness and blank space, as far as an iron testing rod could reach, showed that where whatever lay beyond was empty and not filled like the passage we had just cleared. Candle tests were applied as a precaution against possible fuel gas, foul gases. And then, widening the hole a little, I inserted the candle and peered in. Lord Carnarvon, Lady Lady Evelyn, and Calendar, standing anxiously beside me to hear the verdict. At first, I could see nothing, the hot air escaping from the chamber, causing the candle flame to flicker. But presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room within emerged slowly from the mist. Strange animals, statues, and gold. Everywhere the glint of gold. For the moment, in eternity, it must have seemed... To the others standing by, I was struck dumb with amazement, and when Lord Carnarvon, unable to stand the suspense any longer, inquired anxiously, Can you see anything? It was all I could do to get out the words, Yes, wonderful things. That uh, segment is actually largely quoted in the Treasures of Tut mm -hmm. exhibit. So that was oh, yeah. quoted on all of the things. Yes, wonderful things. And indeed, it was a whole treasure trove Yes. Oh, shit. Because it was still sealed. Uh, so they found 5,398 items in the tomb, including a solid gold coffin, face mask, thrones, archery bows, trumpets, a lotus chalice, food and wine, sandals, fresh linen underwear. Naturally? <laughs> Naturally. A dagger found in the tomb had an iron blade made from a meteorite. Awesome. Yeah. It took Howard Carter 10 years to catalog all the items. Uh, they describe how they uh, they took all of the items. Like it, uh, it took so much time to unload things because it was so fragile. Luckily, okay, say what you will about 
that this shouldn't have been disturbed in the first place. Right. Arguably, it shouldn't have. But at least they fucking did it right. Yes. So, <laughs> so many quote-unquote archaeologists in the yeah. past really were just fucking grave robbing. Yeah. They weren't writing down. They weren't saying where it was, what it looked like, mm-hmm. where we put it. Do you know how many things from antiquity are just fucking lost because nobody yeah. bothered to jot it the fuck down? Right. Ugh. These people did not do that. It's true. And I'm so happy because we have the most complete record of, like, burial practices ever because yeah. they photographed – Every single part of it. Yep. Uh, they photographed what it looked like before they touched anything. Yep. And then when they did start moving things, they were very careful to handle each object very per- specifically. They marked down exactly where they found it. They took it carefully to another location, ironically, another tomb <laughs> where they would catalog it and photograph it and x ray it. And they like did the whole thing. And they, and they also crated it. Like each properly, you know, item. And these items, they're not all small. No, you know, you're 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 placing your hands in front of you as you're as you're moving things, like you're like you're holding a stack of books. Yeah. The the sarcophagus itself weighs like six thousand pounds. Oh yeah, I mean, some of these things are like little tiny items. Some right. of them are chairs. Right. Some of them are eight foot tall stone statues. Yes. It's insane. Yeah. So, and they had to like prop things up while they moved other things. And they just like, everything was so packed together Mm -hmm. that they had to be so, like, so careful moving it. And luckily, they were. Yeah. They took that care. And and for that, we can thank them. Yeah. However, (laughs) they still took it. And it wasn't long before people started having kind of second thoughts. First of all, it was like, started a mania for all things Egyptian. But then people started talking about, rightly, should we have done this? (laughs) Um, uh, It wasn't long before, I think someone wrote kind of a letter to the editor of a newspaper. Oh, here we go. English novelist Marie Corelli wrote an imaginative letter that was published in the New York world that quoted an obscure book that asserted that dire punishment would follow any intrusion into a sealed tomb. And first be who disturbs these bones. Yeah. So there have been like different inscriptions in the tombs of Pharaohs that say something like, you know, don't move my bones or something. Right. However, most people kind of attribute the curse of the Pharaohs to just, the mania surrounding the discovery of King Tut's tomb. Absolutely. So uh, everyone was kind of like freaking out about it. Um, They thought it causes bad luck, illness, or death. And it's said to be cast upon any person who disturbs the mummy of an Egyptian person, especially a pharaoh. Uh, The famous Egyptologist James Henry Breasted. (laughs) Great name. Uh, He worked with Carter... Soon after op- the first opening of the tomb, he reported how Carter sent a messenger on an errand to his house. Um, on approaching his home, the messenger thought he heard a faint, almost human cry. Upon reaching the entrance, he saw the birdcage occupied by a cobra, the symbol of Egyptian monarchy. Carter's canary had died in its mouth. Uh, what? Yeah. Ugh. That's kind of the first event. There's like that a happens. cobra, a cobra, and an English birdcage, and an English birdcage that should not happen. 
Yeah. Did he bring... We're in Egypt, right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. So this was one of the first things to happen. Yeah, that's an omen. That's and a big old fucking omen. Everyone thought so, too. Uh, the first death came a few weeks after... I guess the, I don't. There's not like a concrete timeline, but the I had in my notes that it came after the the letter that was published in the New York World. Sure. Uh, so the first to die was, of course, the bird. The, well, the bird. <laughs> the first human to die. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, I always care less when the humans. That's are true. That's true. Uh, was uh, Lord Carnarvon himself. <gasps> No way. Mm-hmm. What was... Oh, you don't know the timeline between opening and his death? Uh, let me see. Let me see. Okay. So a few months after the tomb is opened, and a mere six weeks after the press started reporting the mummy's curse, uh, Lord Carnarvon tore open a mosquito bite while shaving. Ooh. And he died of blood poisoning shortly thereafter. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Ooh. That's not a good way to die. Blood poisoning is painful and long. Yeah. Well, Although not apparently not for this guy. So Howard Carter, the archaeologist who discovered the tomb, gave a paperweight to his friend, Sir Bruce Ingham. Now, this is, it's called a paperweight. What it really was, it was a mummified hand wearing a bracelet that was supposedly inscribed with the phrase, Curse be he who moves my body. You basically put a hit out on your friend, brother. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know why you would give this to a person. Jeff. Jeff. If you ever get famous. This is like someone handing you the hand of glory. Yeah. If you hand me as a gift a body part, we're done so. Yeah. I would never touch Thank God. a severed body part. So he ha- he gives this, quote, paperweight Gross. to his friend, Ingram. Uh, Ingham. There's no R. His ha- Ingham's house burned to the ground. Sure. Not long after receiving the gift. And when he tried to rebuild his house, it was hit with a flood. That is plague. That's plague. That is a plague. Now, wait. Okay. Are we going to hit on the plagues? Do we see, like... No, it's not a biblical plague. Damn it. Well, because that's not that's not the religion of the pharaohs. Well, it's true. Signs are signs. Mm-hmm. George J. Gould, who you might know as a wealthy American financier and railroad executive. Sure. He visited the tomb in 1923, shortly after it was opened. He fell sick almost immediately afterwards. Uh, He never recovered fully and died of pneumonia a few months later. Sad. Uh. (laughs) There's a lot of these where I'm just like, eh. None of these are quite that sad, (laughs) if you think about it. Aubrey Herbert. This one... I think is bullshit. <laughs> Aubrey Herbert is the half brother of Lord Carnarvon. That's the only connection he has to King Tut. Reaching. <laughs> Never visited. <laughs> but this okay, hold on to your butts. Um he he was born with a degenerative eye condition and became totally blind late in life. Sad. Uh, yeah, it is sad. What's sadder is that a doctor suggested that his rotten, infected teeth were somehow interfering with his vision. That could, I mean, okay, maybe not. Go ahead. He had every single tooth pulled from his head in an effort to regain his sight. Didn't work. And he did die of sepsis as a result of the surgery. Wow. Yeah. That doctor seems like he was a bad doctor. 
Yeah. Uh, this did happen five months after the death of his half-brother. Now, for what it's worth, just mm-hmm. for what it's worth, your teeth, if they are infected, it can get into the rest of your cranial organs really quickly. Gross. So, just because there's a lot of nerves that run together. But it sounds like his eyes yeah, had a condition from blind, birth. Then yanking your teeth isn't going to be like, and now that you're gum, you're all gummy, uh, you can see. <laughs> you know how I feel about teeth. I do. Oh. <laughs> okay, so here we here we have Hugh Evelyn White, a man. He was a British archaeologist. He visited King Tut's tomb and may have helped with the excavation. Uh, he saw what was happening to his fellow. <laughs> he saw what was happening to his fellow excavators, and by 1924, uh, he was just so scared of the curse that he hanged himself. Ugh. But not before writing allegedly in his own blood, "quote I have succumbed to a curse which for- forces me to disappear." Yeah, I bet you there was something else going on there. What do you think? Like one, maybe he was, was he gay? Ill. Uh, no, I was thinking that. <laughs> oh, that was like forces me to disappear down to Navi. Sure. No, I was definitely thinking like uh, he was involved with the early beginnings of like organized crime. Oh. Somebody's forcing you to disappear and then See, you're I was, writing that in I your was, blood. Like you're like making a, like, oh, I'm going to get away. Like, oh, I've been disappeared, but really you're going to go live in like Argentina. And then you're hanged at the last minute. Oh. Like somebody was like, nice try, suck up, zip. Yikes. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Yeah. From our speculation. That's, wild speculation. Yeah. Wild, wild speculation. Aaron Ember, an American Egyptologist, uh, he was friends with many of the people who were present when the tomb was opened, including Lord Carnarvon. Uh, was he present or was he just friends with them? I think he was just friends with them. Reaching. Yeah. This is... I... I don't believe in this curse, full disclosure. Sure, sure. So in 1926, uh, his house in Baltimore burned down less than an hour after he and his wife hosted a dinner party. Yikes. Uh, He could have exited safely, but his wife encouraged him to save a manuscript he had been working on while she fetched their son. Sadly, they and the family's maid died in the catastrophe. Sad. Yeah, it's like this... That's dumb. Don't save the manuscript. I'm sorry, you can... Back it up on Google Docs. You can figure it out. If Joe March can figure it out, you can figure it out. It's true. But the name of the of the book he was working on, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Oh, 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 oh. I had to try to save it too. It's not the real Book of the Dead. It's just a book he's worked. Oh, it wasn't like I don't research. Think it, I don't think it was. Oh, fuck that guy. Mm. Um, this is all basically quoted verbatim, based, by the way, um, from a Mental Floss article called Nine Victims of King Tut's Curse and One Who Should Have Been. Uh, and this is written by Stacey Con- Conrat uh-huh. in 2018 on Mental Floss. So thank you. Anyway, where was I? Okay, moving on. Richard Bethel. Uh, he was Lord Carnarvon's secretary and the first person behind Carter to enter the tomb. He died in 1929 under suspicious circumstances. He was found smothered in his room at an elite London gentleman's club. Huh. <laughs> that also feels a little mafia-esque. See, again, I was going with the gay. Could be. Also yeah. could be. Gentleman's club. What kind of gentleman's club? Maybe he was fucking with the wrong mistress. Could have been. There's a lot of, you know. I think it was sex-related. That's my stance. Wild speculation. <laughs> Wild speculation. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it suggested that he had come under the curse 
the previous year when a series of mysterious fires at his home where some of the priceless finds from King Tut's tomb were stored. Uh, no evidence of a connection between the artifacts and Bethel's death was established. I mean, this is basically just a list of facts. Right, no, <laughs> but, I mean, that's, but that's how you build a legend. Yes. A lot of coinkidings here. Um, Sir Archibald Douglas Reed. Hey, good last name. How do yeah. you spell it? R-E-I-D. So he spells it wrong. Sad for him. <laughs> he was a radiologist and only x-rayed, I think, King Tut himself. <gasps> Neat. Before the mummy was given to a museum, he got sick the next day and was dead three days later. Holy shit. That's mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And then James Henry Breasted. He was the one, if you have a good memory, that had that found the cobra who had eaten the canary in the cage. He survived until 1935. And this is also a fucking reach. His death did occur immediately after a trip to Egypt. (gasps) What? (laughs) But the one, the, you know, the article alludes to the one person who didn't die. Probably. The guy who opened the tomb originally. That's right. Yeah. Howard Carter himself. Yeah, he does not die. Uh, he does not have a mysterious, inexplicable illness. Uh, he died of lymphoma at the age of 64. So. Well, that'll do it. Yeah. His tombstone says, may your spirit live. May you spend millions of years. You who love Thebes sitting with your face to the north wind, your eyes beholding happiness. Lyrical. Yeah. So. That was, that's kind of a rundown of people affected by the curse. But, of course, people think it is bullshit. But it might not be for the reason why a lot of people kind of assume. Uh, The prevailing theory that I heard was that there was something in the atmosphere of the tomb itself that was really like something toxic. Yeah, something toxic, like a mold sure. or something that, and they broke it open. All these spores just like disperse. That happened in the 1970s when they were investigating at the Warsaw Castle. Mm. Remember, we covered that story the first time we did curses. Maybe did we? Pope Benedict. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? No, not Benedict. Uh, John Paul II. Oh, when he was the cardinal at the Polish, either Warsaw or Krakow Cathedral. There have been lab studies that show that some ancient mummies do carry kinds of mold. Sure. Um, which can cause congestion or bleeding in the lungs. But most scientists seem to agree that they're not actually that dangerous. I think mostly... Well, it's it's interesting that none of these people died from the same thing. Right. Like, if it really were a mold, they would have all died at the same time of the same thing. Yes. The, the story that we covered where it genuinely was a mold... Yeah. When they were excavating that king, Mm -hmm. Polish king, 1970s. I can't remember the story. It's season one. I I can't remember it either. Uh, But anyways, yes, it it was a mold. Okay. It had been laying dormant. Uh, The king had died while on the road. His body had started to putrefy. Mm -hmm. And then they encased him and his coffin in resin, so he stopped leaking all over the place. And then they opened up that coffin, and everybody who was there got sick and died within 10 days. Yikes. Yeah. So that would be a much... More right telling death cause effect yes so some some scientists think that uh, actually the atmosphere inside the tomb is probably safer than the atmosphere outside sure they said uh, upper egypt in the 1920s was hardly what you would call sanitary right 
And they think that, you know, the idea that an underground tomb after 3,000 years would have some kind of bizarre microorganism and if that's going to kill every, that's going to kill somebody six weeks later and make it look exactly like blood poisoning is very hard to believe. Yes. So, yeah, nobody really knows what it is. I think it's just coincidence. I agree. So, okay. So that's, that's it on the curse. Thankfully... All, King Tut and all of his stuff are still in Egypt, where they will remain. Thank God. They travel, as we said, reproductions of the stuff that was found in his tomb. I think that's great. I think that's a good educational resource. But this is such an important part of their uh, culture and heritage that it's really important to keep that in the country. And we should repa- repatriate a bunch of shit. Yeah, we um, should. Yeah. Uh, and one more thing. It was like, it was written somewhere that it's so interesting that King Tut, he was 19, 18 or 19 when he died. He was one of the most minor unthought of kings in all of the long reign or history of ancient Egypt. Sure. And yet to us, he's one of the most famous pharaohs of all time because we just know so much more about his burial and we have all those treasures. And we also have a colonializing touch piece. Yeah. You know, made famous by yeah. his English lord and lady. So, there, I mean, there is the reason that he's famous is probably also because of colonialism. Oh, I, no, that is 100%. For sure. That's the only reason why he's famous. Right. Because otherwise he would just still be in the ground and right. be kind of forgotten. Or if he wasn't in the ground, he certainly wouldn't be the celebrity that he is. Right. So... That's all I have to say about that. We're going to wrap it up because it's been a hell of a long episode. So uh, we have two patrons to thank. Thank you to Kirsty Levin. Thank uh, you. Thank you. And thank you to Tom Walma. Hey, that's my cousin. Hey, Tom. Thank yeah. you. So thank you both. Uh, if you want to head over to Patreon to check us out. I will also encourage you to take a listen to his podcast. He's oh, yeah. actually been podcasting longer. That's right. Uh, and his name, uh, his show is called Creativity Wasted. Yeah, go check and, it out. Uh, it's a good show. You guys should definitely check it out. He's funny. Yeah. He's also a stand-up comic, so. Oh, well, Enjoy. so funnier than us. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> low bar. Um, I made myself sad with this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a real hoot. Uh, so if you want to check out our Patreon, we are at patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted. We are on Twitter and uh, at haunted pod. We're Instagram, Facebook, this podcast is haunted. It's all listed below. It's yeah, fine. You, you guys, guys can know. read. So on normally, that note, normally we do a listener story, but I am going to beg us off because it's been a fucking long episode. And it, well, also, and Jen's going to, you know, we're going to cover this in, in thing, but I have left this episode twice. Oh, I mean, I was I was gonna so, just fully ignore that. So. I know, but we're we're exiting quick, and I feel bad about it. And it is my fault, guys. I'm so sorry. It's I'm not so your sick. fault. I'm so sick. It's your body's fault. My body is me to an extent. <laughs> anyway, anyway, you're right. The um, body's just transport. On that spooky note, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody, I hope you're feeling better than we are, and stay spooky, motherfuckers. We out. <laughs>